chapter fifteen of william lloyd garrison the abolitionist by archibald grimke this librivox recording is in the public domain random shots the division of the anti-slavery organization into two distinct societies did not immediately terminate the war between them from new york and the american society the contest over the woman's question was almost directly shifted after the triumph of the garrisonians in the convention to london and the world's convention which was held in the month of june of the year eighteen forty to this anti-slavery congress both of the rival anti-slavery organizations in america elected delegates these delegates chosen by the older society and by its auxiliaries of the states of massachusetts and pennsylvania were composed of women and men lucretia mott was not only chosen by the national society but by the pennsylvania society as well the massachusetts society selected lydia maria child maria weston chapman and anne green phillips together with their husbands among its list of delegates england at this time was much more conservative on the woman's question than america the managers of the world's convention did not take kindly to the notion of women members and signified to the american societies who had placed women among their delegates that the company of the women was not expected those societies however made no alteration in deference to this notice in the character of their delegations but stood stoutly by their principle of the equal brotherhood of the entire human family without distinction of color sex or clime a contest over the admission of women to membership in the world's convention was therefore a foregone conclusion the convention notwithstanding a brilliant fight under the lead of wendell phillips in behalf of their admission refused to admit the women delegates the women delegates instead of having seats on the floor were forced in consequence of this decision to look on from the galleries garrison who with charles lennox remond nathaniel p rogers and william adams was late in arriving in england finding on reaching london the women excluded from the convention and sitting as spectators in the galleries determined to take his place among them deeming that the act of the convention which discredited the credentials of lucretia mott and her sister delegates had discredited his own also remond rogers and adams followed his example and took their places with the rejected women delegates likewise the convention was scandalized at such proceedings and did its best to draw garrison and his associates from the ladies in the galleries to the men on the floor but without avail there they remained an eloquent protest against the masculine narrowness of the convention defeated in new york the delegates of the new american and foreign anti-slavery society triumphed over their victors in london but their achievements in the world's convention in this regard was not of a sort to entitle them to point with any special pride in after years and as a matter of fact not one of them would have probably cared to have their success alluded to in any sketch of their lives 
for the perusal of posterity gerson and his associates were the recipients of the most cordial and flattering attention from the english abolitionists he was quite lionized in fact at breakfasts fetes and soirees the duchess of sunderland paid him marked attention and desired his portrait which was done for her grace by the celebrated artist benjamin robert hayden who executed besides a large painting of the convention in which he grouped the most distinguished members with reference to the seats actually occupied by them during its sessions of course to leave garrison out of such a picture would almost seem like the play of hamlet with hamlet omitted a blunder which the artist was by no means disposed to make garrison was accordingly invited to sit to him for his portrait hayden who it seems was a student of human nature as well as of the human form made the discovery of a fact which at first surprised and angered him in making his groupings of heads he decided to place together the rev john scoble george thompson and charles lennox remond when scoble sat to him hayden told him of his design in this regard but remarked hayden scoble sophisticated immediately on the propriety of placing the negro in the distance as it would have much greater effect the painter now applied his test to thompson who saw no objection thompson did not bear the test to hayden's satisfaction who observed that a man who wishes to place the negro on a level must no longer regard him as having been a slave and feel annoyed at sitting by his side but when the artist approached garrison on the subject it was wholly different i asked him hayden records with obvious pleasure and he met me at once directly thompson was not altogether satisfactory to garrison either during this visit as the following extract from one of his letters to his wife evinces dear thompson has not been strengthened to do battle for us as i had confidently hoped he would be he is placed in a difficult position and seems disposed to take the ground of non-committal publicly respecting the controversy which is going on in the united states garrison rogers and Ramond, in the company of thompson made a delightful trip into scotland at this time everywhere the american abolitionists were met with distinguished attentions though i like england much on many accounts garrison writes home in high spirits i can truly say that i like scotland better an instance which may be coupled with that one furnished by hayden occurred during this scottish tour and illustrates strongly the kind of stuff of which he was made on his way to the great public reception tendered the american delegates by the glasgow emancipation society a placard with the caption have we no white slaves was put into his hands upon acquainting himself with its contents he determined to read it to the meeting and to make it the text of remarks which he was called upon to address the meeting he was presently announced and the immense audience greeted him with every manifestation of pleasure and enthusiasm without cheering and waving of handkerchiefs nevertheless he held to his purpose to speak upon the subject of the placard unwelcome though it should prove to his hearers after reading the interrogation i said in reply no broad as is the empire and extensive as are the possessions of great britain not a single white slave can be found in them all and i then went on to show the wide difference that exists between the condition of human beings who are held and treated as chattels personal 
and that of those who are only suffering from certain forms of political injustice or governmental oppression but i said although it is not true that england has any white slaves either at home or abroad is it not true that there are thousands of her population both at home and abroad who are deprived of their just rights who are grievously oppressed who are dying even in the midst of abundance of actual starvation yes and i expressly called upon british abolitionists to prove themselves the true friends of suffering humanity abroad by showing that they were the best friend of suffering humanity at home truth justice duty always overrode with him the proprieties however sacredly esteemed by others of a piece with this fact of the placard of the white slave was his custom in refusing the wine proffered by some of his british friends to their guests he was not content with a simple refusal and the implied rebuke which it involved he must needs couple his declaration with an express rebuke to host and hostess for tempting men into the downward way to drunkenness while in attendance upon the sessions of the world's convention garrison received tidings of the birth of his third child the second whom he named for himself was born in eighteen thirty eight the third who was also a son the fond father named after wendell phillips three children and a wife did not tend to a solution of the always difficult problem of family maintenance the pressure of their needs upon the husband sometimes simple as indeed they were owing to the good sense and prudence of mrs garrison seemed to exceed the weight of the atmospheric column to the square inch the fight for bread was one of the bitterest battles of the reformer's life the arrangement made in eighteen thirty seven whereby the massachusetts anti-slavery society assumed the responsibility of the publication of the liberator garrison rescinded at the beginning of eighteen thirty eight for the sake of giving himself greater freedom in the advocacy in its columns of the several other reforms in which he had enlisted besides abolitionism but garrison and the paper were now widely recognized as anti-slavery essentials and indispensables many of the leaders of the movement perceived as garrett smith expressed it in a letter enclosing fifty dollars for the editor that among the many things in which the abolitionists of our country should be agreed are the two following one the liberator must be sustained two its editor must be kept above want not only nor mainly for his own or his family's happiness but that having his own mind unembarrassed by the cares of gripping poverty he may be a more effective and advocate of the cause of the saviour's enslaved poor a new arrangement in accordance with this suggestion for the support of the paper and the preservation of the editor from want was made in eighteen thirty nine and its performance taken in charge by a committee of gentlemen who undertook to raise the necessary funds for those objects thus it was that garrison through the wise and generous provision of friends was enabled to augment the happiness of an increasing family and at the same time add to his own effectiveness as an anti-slavery instrument garrison found occasion soon after his return from the world's convention for the employment of all his added effectiveness for continuing the moral movement against slavery for what with the strife and schism in the anti-slavery ranks followed by the excitements of the long presidential canvass of eighteen forty wherein the great body of the abolitionists developed an uncontrollable impulse to political action some through the medium of the new liberty party 
which had nominated james g burney for the presidency while others reverted to the two old parties with which they had formerly acted what with all these causes the pure moral movement started by garrison was in grave danger of getting abolished or at least of being reduced to a nullity in its influence upon public opinion john a collins the able and resourceful general agent of the massachusetts anti-slavery society wrote in the deepest anxiety to garrison from new bedford september one eighteen forty on this head says he i really wish you understood perfectly the exact position the friends of the old organization hold to the two great political parties and how generally they have been caught up in the whirlwind of political enthusiasm could you but go where i have been and have seen and heard what i have seen and heard could you see men i and women too who have been and still are your warmest advocates who have eschewed sectarianism and lost their caste in the circle in which they moved for their strong adherence to your views and measures declare that they would sooner forego their abolitionism than their party now these are not the views of here and there a straggling abolitionist but of seven-tenths of all the voting abolitionists of the state they are entirely unconscious of the demoralizing influence of their course they need light warning entreaty and rebuke besides this demoralization of the abolitionists as described by collins the parent society in new york fell into bad financial straits it was absolutely without funds and without any means of supplying the lack what should it do in its extremity but appeal to the massachusetts society which was already heavily burdened by its own load the liberator the new organ of the national organization the anti-slavery standard surely must not be allowed to fail for want of funds in this emergency the boston management rose to the occasion collins was sent to england in quest of contributions from the abolitionists of great britain but great as was the need of money the relief which it might afford would only prove temporary unless there could be effected a thorough anti-slavery revival this was vital and therefore to this end garrison now bent his remarkable energies agents during this period when money was scarce were necessarily few but the pioneer proved a host in himself resigning the editorial charge of the liberator into the capable hands of edmund quincy garrison itinerated in the role of an anti-slavery lecturer in massachusetts connecticut and new hampshire reviving everywhere the languishing interest of his disciples on the return of collins in the summer of eighteen forty one revival meetings and conventions started up with increased activity the fruits of which were of a most cheering character an Nantucket garrison made a big catch in his anti-slavery net it was frederick douglas young callow and awkward but with his splendid and inimitable gifts flashing through all as he for the first time in his life addressed an audience of white people garrison with the instinct of leadership saw at once the value of the runaway slaves oratorical possibilities in their relations to the anti-slavery movement it was at his instance that collins added douglas to the band of anti-slavery agents the new agent has preserved his recollections of the pioneer's speech on that eventful evening in nantucket says he mr garrison followed me taking me as his text and now whether i have made an eloquent plea in behalf of freedom or not his was one never to be forgotten those who had heard him oftenest and had known him longest were astonished at his 
masterly effort for the time he possessed that almost fabulous inspiration often referred to but seldom attained in which a public meeting is transformed as it were into a single individuality the orator swaying a thousand heads and hearts at once and by the simple majesty of his all-controlling thought converting his hearers into the express image of his own soul that night there were at least a thousand garrisonians in nantucket here is another picture of garrison in the lecture field it is from the pen of n p rogers with whom he was making a week's tour among the white mountains interspersing the same with anti-slavery meetings at plymouth failing to procure the use of a church for their purpose they fell back upon the temple not made with hands semicircular seats backed against a line of magnificent trees to accommodate we should judge from two to three hundred rogers narrates were filled principally with women and the men who could not find seats stood on the green sward on either hand and at length when wearied with standing seated themselves on the ground garrison mounted on a rude platform in front lifted up his voice and spoke to them in prophet tones and surpassing eloquence from half-past three till i saw the rays of the setting sun playing through the trees on his head they the auditory heeded it not any more than he but remained till he ended apparently indisposed to move though some came from six eight and even twelve miles distance so bravely prospered the revival agitation under the vigorous preaching of the indomitable pioneer in the midst of the growing activities of the revival season of the anti-slavery movement garrison had some personal experiences of a distressing nature one of these was the case of his quondam friend and partner in the publication of the liberator isaac knapp he poor fellow was no longer the publisher of the paper his wretched business management of his department tended to keep the liberator in a state of chronic financial embarrassment when the committee who assumed charge of the finances of the paper took hold of the problem they determined to let knapp go he was paid a hundred and fifty dollars or a hundred and seventy-five dollars as a quid pro quo for his interest in the liberator unfortunate in the business of a publisher he was yet more unfortunate in another respect he had become a victim of intemperance his inebriety increased upon him accelerated no doubt by his business failure notwithstanding garrison's strong and tender friendship for knapp the broken man came to regard him as an enemy and showed in many ways his jealousy and hatred of his old friend and partner very painful was this experience to the pioneer an experience which touched garrison more nearly arose out of the sad case of his brother james who the reader will recall ran away from his mother in baltimore and went to sea he ultimately enlisted in the united states navy and what with the brutalities which he suffered at the hands of his superiors by way of discipline and with those of his own uncontrolled passions and appetites he was when recovered by his brother william a total moral and physical wreck but the prodigal was gathered to the reformer's heart and taken to his home where in memory of a mother long dead whose darling was james he was nursed and watched over with deep and pious love there were sad lapses of the profligate man even in the sanctuary of his brother's home the craving for liquor was omnipotent in the wretched creature and he was attacked by uncontrollable desire for drink but william's patience was infinite and his yearning and pity at such times were as sweet and strong as a mother's death flung the curtain down in the fall of eighteen forty two 
on this miserable life with its sorry and pathetic scenes about this time a trial of a different sort fell to the lot of garrison to endure the tongue of detraction was never more busy with his alleged infidel doctrines or to more damaging effect collins in england seeking to obtain contributions for the support of the agitation in america found garrison's infidelity the great lion in the way of success even the good dispositions of the venerable clarkson were affected by the injurious reports in this regard circulated in england mainly by nathaniel culver a narrow and violent sectary of the baptist denomination of the united states it was of course painful to garrison to feel that he had become a rock of offence in the path of the great movement which he had started and to which he was devoting himself so energetically to elizabeth peace one of the noblest of the english abolitionists and one of his staunchest transatlantic friends he defended himself against the false and cruel statements touching his religious beliefs i esteem the holy scriptures he wrote her above all other books in the universe and always appealed to the law and the testimony to prove all my peculiar doctrines his religious sentiments and sabbatical views are almost if not quite identical with those held by the quakers i believe in an indwelling christ he goes on to furnish a summary of his confession of faith and in his righteousness alone i glory in nothing here below save in christ and in him crucified i believe all the works of the devil are to be destroyed and our lord is to reign from sea to sea even to the ends of the earth and i profess to have passed from death into life and know by happy experience that there is no condemnation to them who are in christ jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit these were the pioneers articles of faith their extreme simplicity and theological conservatism it would seem ought to have satisfied the evangelicals of all denominations they were in essentials thoroughly orthodox but in the composition of the shibboleths of beliefs non-essentials as well as essentials enter the former to the latter in the proportion of two to one it is not surprising therefore that garrison's essentials proved unequal to the test set up by sectarianism inasmuch as his spiritual life dropped the aspirate of the non-essentials of religious forms and observances but the good man had his compensation as well as his trials such of a very noble kind was the great irish address brought over from ireland by remond in december eighteen forty one it was signed by daniel o'connell father matthew and sixty thousand roman catholics of ireland who called upon the irish roman catholics of america to make the cause of the slaves of the united states their cause large expectations of irish assistance in the anti-slavery agitation were excited in the bosoms of abolitionists by this imposing appeal garrison shared the high hopes of its beneficent influence upon the ireland of america with many others alas for the best laid schemes of mice and men for the new ireland was not populated with saints but a fiercely human race who had come to their new home to better their own condition not that of the negro hardly had they touched these shores before they were americanized in the color phobia sense out herited herod in hatred of the colored people and their anti-slavery friends indeed it was quite one thing to preach abolitionism with three thousand miles of sea-wall between one and his audience and quite another to rise and do the preaching with no sea-wall to guard the preacher from the popular consequences of his preaching as father matthew quickly perceived and reduced to 
practised eight years later when he made his memorable visit to this country in vain was the monster document unrolled in Fenuya hall and many abolitionists with irish blood were put forward to sweep the cords of aaron's heart and to conjure by their eloquence the disciples of st patrick to rally under the banner of freedom there was no response except the response of bitter foes aaron's harp vibrated to no breeze which did not come out of the south the slave power had been erected into patron saint by the new ireland in america and the new ireland in america was very well content with his saintship's patronage and service thus it happened that the great expectations which were excited by the irish address were never realized but the pioneer had other fish in his net had in fact meanwhile got himself in readiness for a launch into a new and startling agitation as to just what this new and startling agitation was we must refer the reader to the next chapter End of chapter fifteen